Hello, Tasha. Welcome to Tal Radio. First of all, thank you so much for taking your time and coming to our show. Thank you so much, Sushmita. You guys are doing such great work. Uh, it's my pleasure and privilege to be here on Tal Radio. So I want to be a leader. So as a teenager, what can I do to you know start my journey of leadership? And also, what actually is leadership? So please. let us know so that we can start imbibing our qualities from now on and learn what it is so a misconception about leadership is you know when we ask maybe teens like you or mm. younger generation think of a leader and mm. you know most of the times and i'm asking you the same question so most of the times they come up with names like maybe someone a politician or a business leader or uh, you know someone who is extremely successful so maybe steve jobs or you know fill in the blank but that is only a fraction of what leadership really is you know so leadership is at all levels and it starts with you so how do i define leadership so leadership is getting work done through people and then keeping people so if i had a gun and i pointed it at your head and made you do something and you did it is that leadership obviously no. it's not that's dictatorship so leadership is keeping your people inspiring them uh, so that they volunteer what we call discretionary effort these days and that's what leadership is and it's at all levels in my opinion in fact leaders are at all levels uh, you know that that's what yes. my definition of leadership is exactly like you said leaders are at all levels definitely and we need to understand that because for us the version of leadership is you know being at the top of the pyramid or you know being at a top of something else is just leadership we don't acknowledge the leaders who are throughout the chain wherever it might be so how do we start imbibing those leadership qualities one of the oldest quotes i think it's one of the american presidents 200 years ago practically i believe it was john adams and i could be wrong about the person but i remember the quote very well if your actions inspire others to do more to dream more and to achieve more then you are a leader so that's one of the simplest definitions of leadership so do you aspire to be better than you are today and do you aspire to help others achieve their dreams and goals for a greater good you know not for your own selfish purpose but mm. and, and and a lot of times that becomes you know secondary and you do achieve that the definition of success is that if you help enough people succeed what will happen to you well you will succeed yourself but first it comes with other people so when you have these two things where you have desire to be better yourself and a desire to help other people that's what the seed is you know planted for leadership so how do i become better person better leader better human being and here is something that we don't do which is normally absolutely done in customer service so any product or service you know what do companies do they'll go to the customer and ask that hey this is the product or this is the service what do you think about that product or service don't we do that i mean if you wanted to improve a product isn't that necessary it's part and parcel of making your product better than it is today so if i was to concoct a new cola 
you know, let's say Tushar's Cola, not a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi, uh, then what would I do? Well, if you were my representative customer, then I would come to you and let you sample it. And I'll ask you, what do you think? And how can I make this cola better? You might say, hey, the fizz is too much or not enough sugar or, you know, doesn't taste right. Whatever your feedback is, I will go back and uh, make those changes. So, and then what would I do? I'll come back to you again and say, how is it now? And the question for you is, how long do I keep doing that? You know, going back and forth, back and forth Mm -hmm. until you say that, yeah, now the product is good, right? So that's how we understand this very clearly in a product or a service that you take inputs from customers. But when it comes to leadership or when it comes to becoming a better person, who decides if I'm a better person? Do I do it myself or do I ask other people? So leadership is working with others for a greater good or for a greater goal that benefits everyone. So if I want to become a better leader, the simplest thing to do is ask. And what do I ask? How can I become a better? And then you fill in the blank. So if it's family members, you can ask your you know, spouse, friend, father, mother, hey, how can I be a better daughter? How can I be a better friend? If it's at work, you can say, how can I be a better colleague? How can I be a better boss? But we hardly mm-hmm. ever do that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> because we want to listen to good things about us. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> yes. So that is what we have to overcome. And narrate a small story with my dad so he's now 85 years old and because I teach these kinds of things to other people so at some point of time a bell rings inside your head saying that hey Tushar you are preaching all these things are you doing these things yourself (laughs) and one of my clients coaching clients he kind of mentioned that uh, what you do at work Does it apply at home? So should we ask these things at home? And I said, absolutely. And that's where I started thinking that when was the last time I asked my dad? So my mom has passed away a few years ago and my dad is kind of alone, but he has enough company and people around him and he lives only five minutes away from where I live. So I asked him that, how can I become a better son? You know, what can I do to become a better son? And he said that, you know, you travel a lot. And then when you are traveling, you don't call. And when you are here, you don't come by. So come by once in a while and maybe call me once in a while. And so that came as a shock to me. So the first thing I kind of wanted to do is the last thing we should do. You know, so what was the first Hmm. thing I wanted to do is I wanted to defend and I want to explain and I wanted to tell him, you know, how busy I am. Sometimes I start at 5 a.m. to reach to a client's place and I'm flying and air travel is no fun. But that's not what we are supposed to do. So I bit my tongue and I said, thank you so much for your feedback. So this is the steps that we ask or teach people and I try to apply them myself. So what are those three steps first? Ask, listen, and thank. So what do you ask? How do I become a better leader, person, brother, sister, boss, colleague? And then you listen. So you don't defend, you don't blame, you don't find excuses, uh, you don't attack back, saying that you're saying bad things about me, let me say some bad things about you, you know. Yes. 
and the only thing you say is thank you so much for sharing your feedback and if we can learn these that would be fantastic so coming back to the little incident with my dad what do i do now well either on tuesdays or wednesdays i call him and the conversations are simple you know how's your health are you taking your medication uh, and you know are you exercising walking and so on and so forth but it doesn't cost me anything and does it make a difference to him i mean what is the value to him of my calls i think it's a lot and then whenever i am in town i make it a point that if i have gone outside for shopping or some running some errands i stop by at his place for 5 minutes and ask him the same questions so if i had never asked i would have never known so these are the steps that we can start to become better people better leaders and take leadership at all levels you know how can i yes. become better and how can i help you how can i serve you these are the questions yes absolutely like if we can you know uh travel across that barrier of defending ourselves then we definitely can actually sit and think about the feedback which is given like if you apply it to a business model like a call center or something when they tell you feedback you don't defend yourself in front of them so we need to apply it to our real lives too when we ask someone who is near us like when they point out our mistakes or faults we need to stop defending ourselves at the first point like you said you know the first thing which comes in your mind is the last thing to be done correct so where does the cycle stop like if it is a you know a business model or an enterprise we can stop when the customer is happy with the product but where does it stop in the real life you know in the personal life right so with the customer model i think it's never ending it's an endless loop so what you do is today my product is probably the best in the market how long is it going to stay that way if i don't continuously ask for feedback so not for long no so we've seen yes. examples of companies and products nokia had the best smartphone in the world and what they thought was that we are the best we don't need feedback from customers and there comes apple and in 5 years they went from having i think 70% market share in smartphones to less than 5% you know so mm. in a fast changing world we call it vuca no v u c a it's an acronym so it's volatile it's uncertain it's complex and it's ambiguous so in a fast changing world if you're not continuously staying ahead of the curve then it doesn't take long for you to fall behind so one thing is that we as human beings are never done it's always an upward spiral when does this stop when we stop taking inputs from the people we serve and that's when it stops so the answer to your question is so it's a continuous endless loop so this for first iteration my cola is good but now someone might come up with a you know vanilla cola or a cherry cola or the customer's tastes are changing and they don't want cola anymore they want flavored water so i have to keep up with that and i have to constantly ask my customers does that make sense yes it definitely makes sense uh so is it true that leadership applies just not in professional life but also in personal life absolutely so leadership is something that makes a difference so if you have uh, experience with working under a good leader and then let's just say working under a not so good leader 
do you realize the difference or can you recall the difference whether it was a teacher whether it was a parent whether it was a friend whether it was your you know boss at work there's always a I difference see. between someone who is a good leader and a bad leader so yes, can you recall absolutely. maybe one or two differences how do you feel under a good leader and how do you feel under a not so good leader um i've had teachers who were very good leaders hmm. and have teachers who were not good leaders like you hmm. know i don't name them but there were teachers who took all the credit for themselves when students did something correct that thing always bugged out every one of us and there were teachers who actually pushed us in the front and you know supported us from the back that actually you know gave us a lot of confidence and gave so much chance to learn something new and they were just standing in the background and supporting us so that is one of the most uh, important things i learned and i've seen as a difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher and also like a good leader and a bad leader correct so what happens is that under such good leaders we are more motivated we put in more effort we are happier we contribute more and we enjoy the journey more and probably the opposite is true under bad leaders no so mm. there are so many examples you know if you take about india you know in, in the cricket team you have one coach uh, great chapel and then you have another coach which is gary kirsten and the players are more or less exactly the same but the results are dramatically different no why because a good leader involves others listens to them and brings out the best in them no and yes. the credit is secondary and it comes no who do we remember mm-hmm. as a better captain today great chapel or gary kirsten a, a coach not a captain so obviously your actions and the results speak for yourself so if you don't deliver results through people then you can explain or claim to be the best leader but people know you know people can see through it so coming back to the point in every situation whether it is business or whether it is non profit or whether it is a social organization leadership or good leaders make a difference in fact today the world is facing all kinds of crises no so mm-hmm. there is divisive agenda uh, there is climate crisis there is environmental issues there is issues of inequality and i am so happy that today the younger generation has taken up these things as important some of you guys are devoting your life like you guys are you know working on making a difference to people no uh, making it a positive world so greta when she gave that speech it kind of changed the world so i'm very happy that you are taking that leadership and its leadership at all levels and to answer your question without good leadership none of these difficult tasks would be ever achieved so leadership is extremely important in all kinds of organizations whether it's for profit whether it's social or whether it's a community kind of an organization yes a leader is always with a team if there's no team there's no leader so how much part does a team play role in your leadership so you know if you talk about 30 or 40 years ago the work was done in a farm or a factory so maybe 30 40 or 50 years ago if you talk about 50s or 60s or 70s and the work was repeatable and predictable yes. so if i worked at a farm you know what do i need to do it's very easy to learn and to repeat 
Uh, if I worked at a factory, let's say if I'm on a car assembly plant, I do one little job, let's say putting the tire on the thing or putting the seats in the assembled car. So those are repetitive work. And uh, if I wasn't performing good, then they could replace me with someone else by training them for a day or two or three. It didn't take yes. long. So hmm. all the people were like a little cogs in a big wheel no? at that point of time. Yes. But with the advent of communication, internet, and technological breakthroughs starting in the early 90s, and now we are you know, in 2021. So things have changed so much that people have really became the greatest asset. You know, uh, it is said that if you lose one technically smart person and you have to replace him or her, it costs you sometimes two and a half times the salary of that person in lost productivity, in recruiting the new person, in onboarding them, etc. So in this kind of an environment, the leader's role has become more of a facilitator. So in the old days, you know, in, in what we call the industrial age or the 20th century, the leader was having more power, having more authority, having more resources, having more knowledge. And that's why they used to command and control others. No, But these yes. days, my subordinate knows more than me. You know, if I'm a computer <laughs> engineer, a fresh graduate probably knows a lot more than me. Uh, and this is true in any field. They say that the half-life of a college degree, half-life is when half of what you know is outdated. It's uh, five years and it's shrinking fast. So in that kind of an environment, a leader's job is to create culture or an environment where people can do their best work. And so I'll give you an example of Ford. So everyone knows about Ford cars, right? Yes. And it's a hundred plus year old company. Henry Ford mm -hmm. started it in the early 19, it was around 1908. And they came up with the first mass produced car. Mm -hmm. But fast forward to a hundred years later, and sometimes in 2006, Ford was on the verge of bankruptcy. So they had lost $17 billion with a B, you know, $17 billion. And Alan, yeah, in, in one year. Uh, so there were rumors that Ford will go under and they'll have to declare bankruptcy, you know. And then comes a leader. Uh, his name is Alan Mulally. So there were 16 board members. So he didn't fire anyone. He used the same 16 board members and they say that this is what we are going to do. So two of them said that, no, no, we can't do it this way. So he said, then you have a choice to leave. So two of them left. But in less than six years, Alan Malale turned Ford around with 14 of the 16 same board members that had, you know, uh, took the company to a loss of 17 billion. And six years later, they have a profit of $6 billion, you know. So that's what a good leadership can do. And that's where good leaders are there to make tough decisions, to make sure team is aligned. And if someone is not aligned, uh, what Alan calls them is that give them love. So, and it's tough love. So I'm happy that you are leaving. Maybe you'll find something better. But if you have to stay here, then this is how we are going to work. So I think it's extremely important. And the leader and their team, it's all tied together. And when you are, when your purpose is for greater good, that's how it works. So how did Alan do that? And that's what the point I'm trying to bring is 
that he involved all stakeholders you know all stakeholders means the shareholders the unions who were working and everything was transparent and everyone was accountable so leader and team it kind of goes together a good leader and a good team and it's extremely essential for today for us to understand that it's not about the leader it's not about you it's about how you create an environment where all these diverse people with excellent skills who may be lot smarter than you can do their best work absolutely i mean it really makes a sense because the time has long gone where you were just the most important person in an organization as of now if the organization has to run you need every one of the people to play their own role which is as important as you have right. so it is all equality right now rather than a hierarchical order right. so as you said that a leader and a team you know should be on the same page so often it is very difficult to have people on same page with you and as a leader i guess it is sometimes you have to take tough decisions and you know decisions which are not okay for others how do you handle that situations so one of the ways you do is is you create what is called a shared vision and shared values so what is a shared vision well my vision is to achieve this but do people around me care then it will only be my vision a shared vision comes from listening and conducting activities and exercises that we are here where do we want to go does it make sense to you you know so once you have a shared vision then there is a commitment and then you have to have shared values you know so if i ask you susmita and you can have a list of 20 or 30 values and we do what is known as values clarification exercise and i'll ask you that find out three or four or five more values so values could be something like honesty you know putting in hard work or respecting others or you know any one of the other 20 or 30 commonly used values then we rank them and then we kind of try and find out that which are the three to five values we want to adhere to as a team so let's say one of the values could be that we never talk about people behind their back and that's what alan malale did there is another example of a company called bridgewater associates and they are the world's largest hedge fund you know 160 billion under management you know world's largest and by a large margin and he has made more money for more people than anyone else so his name is ray dalio so in his organization he says that if you are caught talking about someone behind their back three times you could be fired so it doesn't mean you can't talk so if i have problem with sushmita i won't talk behind her back i will talk in front of her face and one of the emails that he shares in a ted talk and if anyone wants to look at it you can just search for raydalio ted talk and what he says is there is this email where someone has written an email saying that hey ray uh in our last meeting your presentation was lackluster it was clear that you hadn't prepared next time don't waste everyone's time and please come prepared so when you see such an email you would think that your boss has written an email to you but this was the opposite a gentleman yeah. called jim who worked for ray dalio had written this email to ray can you imagine that he is telling his boss that last meeting you weren't prepared and you wasted everyone's time So what does Ray do? Should he fire Jim? No. 
what he does is opposite. He takes that email and marks a copy to 1500 of the employees. And he says that anyone does anything, you know, you have feedback for anyone, you give it to them in front of their face. And then if this was not enough, he comes out in a TED talk and tells the entire world that this is how my employee wrote me an email. And that's what opened my eyes. So Ray Dalio's value is transparency and he calls it radical transparency. Alan Malale's values are, you know, greater good and whatever behaviors or whatever values we agree upon, we have to do it and there is no exception. So coming back to the point, we have shared vision. So we all know where we are going, correct? Uh, If you have traveled somewhere or, you know, in India, if you stop at a crossroad and ask someone for direction, you know, where is this temple or where is this place? And three people will give you three different routes, no? So (laughs) yes. When we are going in the car, we can't go anywhere if everyone wants to go to a different place. So that's why we need a common vision. Where are we going? And then we need a common value as to how we are going to behave while we get there. And once those values are clarified, the commitment that comes, it's absolutely amazing. And people put in that their extra effort. And that's what leadership is all about. Definitely. It is. Like you said, you know, uh, the transparency in your example, is amazing. It is very hard to see, you know, bosses take their examples or, you know, consider words of an employee and act on them. And it definitely is, you know, it really helped that organization and it really shows how healthy that organization is, how healthy that environment is, you know, that you are freely giving feedback to your boss. Correct. And you are absolutely right, Sushmita. Uh, In fact, I would be out of business if leaders did this themselves. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we do is we come in and we take feedback from the leaders, team members and tell the leader that, hey, this is what you are doing very well. And this is where people think can think that you can improve to become even a better leader. And uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. You know? Our ego comes in the way. And mm. Even at that level, someone who is the CEO or a senior VP or a general manager, and those are the people whom we have to teach these steps, you know, ask, listen, and thank, uh, because their tendency is to explain and give excuses. So I, I kind of remind them that, you know, I haven't met any of the leaders' team members who said that, hey, I wasn't sure about this leader. But the quality of his excuses he makes, that's fantastic. And now I believe in him because of his excuses, you know. So it's a joke, of course. So uh, and then then they get it. And when they understand that uh, without the help of others, they can't get better. And it becomes a situation which is a win, 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 win. So the win for the leader, because he usually moves up in his or her career ladder, the win for the team, the win for the organization and the win for us because we make, you know, our living by making, helping people get better. Yes, absolutely. And um, as you said, you know, it's win-win for leader, the team and the organization. So sometimes as a leader, you have to uh, keep organization uh, strategies or, you know, organization's point of view before yours or your personal views. So how does it happen? You know, it it takes a lot of effort to, you know, keep your personal goals sideways and, you know, think about the greater picture or for an organization or for your team. So how do we inculcate that 
attitude correct so this is a quote from mahatma gandhi and i'm hoping that i'm saying it exactly right so he says that happiness is what you are what you do and how others see you is all aligned no so leadership is not something that's a technique uh, leadership is something that you become and this this happens when we have our values aligned as well as our vision aligned and then you have to be the role model so i always uh, talk about leaders and i i kind of uh, point out to them that uh, leadership is always by example whether you like it or not whether you believe it or not whether you want it or not so in personal life as well as in professional life what happens is that we think that leadership is telling others what to do it's wrong leadership is role modeling to others what to do and i'll take an example uh, let's say in my family uh, my both boys are now grown up but when they were younger i would come from work and i would spread on the sofa and turn the tv on and i would advise them that hey guys you should study work hard you know do this and do that what are the chances that they are going to do that well if they are afraid of me then they'll do it but as as soon as i am gone they won't and on the opposite end it was my mother well when i was in 10th grade and 12th grade those are kind of important you know milestones that you have to work hard to get good grades mm-hmm. and uh she didn't even go to the college but uh, she finished high school but what i i thought of her as a leader why because she would wake up before me and she would be wondering whether my alarm went off and i woke up or not she would be up until 11 o'clock making me tea or giving me milk or checking up on me while she would be knitting a sweater or reading a novel or whatever it was so whether she would help me study well that may or may not be possible but was she leading what do you think well she is definitely leading by example so when your values and vision is aligned and when you you know do what you say then leadership comes automatically you don't have to coax people you don't have to kind of you know stay behind them with a stick or preach or tell it comes mm. automatically it absolutely does and the series is wonderful you know it is role modeling leadership definitely is so while being a leader you often make mistakes yes. and it becomes difficult to acknowledge them because you're a leader so how do you gracefully accept those mistakes and become a better leader or a better person correct so one of the best ways to do that is continuously solicit feedback and demonstrate humility so what is the opposite end of humility it's ego you know so mm. once we let the ego go uh, and let humility be there it doesn't really matter it becomes very easy yeah so yeah. let me give you an example let's say a ceo of a large company let's say boeing anil manali uh, he goes to china to make the largest deal or sign up the largest deal for planes that he has ever done so if he is doing that uh, imagine how many people have made it possible you know there is mm. hundreds of people who worked on that deal lawyers contract negotiators Uh, secretaries uh, how many people made it possible you know for their meeting travel accommodation and all that 
So mm. if you have even a little humility, you know that in such a large organization, you are just small part of a whole big machinery. And uh, once you realize that, you can put your ego aside and continuously solicit feedback on, hey, how am I doing? And what can I do to help you better? And create an environment where feedback becomes natural. Feedback is you know, something that we do continuously. And if you do that, then mistakes don't matter because uh, as human beings, no one's perfect. And the job is to recognize them early and then correct them as soon as possible. First of all, the whole sentence of create an environment where, you know, the feedback becomes natural is such a powerful one, which we need to inculcate in every sector of our life. Yes. Definitely, to, you know, to have a smooth or, you know, to have a real connections with people or relationships with people, we definitely need to create that environment where, you know, feedback is natural, not, you know, that you feel intimidated to give your feedback or something like that. Right. And also the fact where you said, that you have to realize that you are a small part in a big machinery. Correct. There's a quote, uh, and I don't remember it exactly, but it says that the cemeteries are full of people who thought that the world would not run without them. So maybe <laughs> that might put things back in perspective. That really did. That really did. Because it is essential as a leader to know that as much as you play an important role, that you're not just the one who is, who is playing that. There are a lot many people who are playing the same roles, you know, with same amount of importance. Correct. So it's just that you act as a lubricant in this whole machinery that creates a product. Correct. So when we think in that way, we'll definitely, you know, get in the bigger picture and understand what role you play and also, you know, appreciate the role of others. Absolutely. And it's like being on a winning team it's kind of addictive. You know, it's kind of like drugs, but in a positive sense. When yes. you have an environment where you work with a winning team, people remember that team in sports all their life. People remember a good boss all their lives. When I ask people, hey, uh, can you tell me about one of the good bosses or good leaders you have worked under? Sometimes they go as back as 15 or 20 years ago. Can you imagine? So <laughs> this kind of shows that how much people remember a good boss and how many bad bosses are around there still. Yes, absolutely. You know, it really leaves an impression. As from a childhood, you can really remember you being a part of a team or, you know, your captain or, you know, your teacher or someone in your team. That feeling is absolutely wonderful, you know, to be a part of a winning team. Right. So as it, and often leadership is associated with success. They value or you know they rate your leadership with the amount of success you brought to the team right. so uh, how do you handle that pressure as a leader correct so this is what uh, a disservice has been done by our media a popular media and movies and hollywood and bollywood and we talk about quote-unquote overnight success no and we talk about you know 30 days to start and run your business well, it doesn't take 30 days or lose 50 pounds in 20 days. You know, those are the yeah. kinds of books that sell and that's the kind of stories that media portrays. But yes. that's not true. Uh, success is incremental and then it is not a straight line curve. It's kind of like a compound interest curve. So in the beginning, 
the effort you put in and then the results you get are disproportionately against you. A lot of effort will give you an, only a little result. But over a period of time, when the curve starts going exponential, a little effort gives you a lot of results. But what happens is people quit before that happens. So today I am learning swimming. Tomorrow I'll do jogging. Day after I'll be you know, doing something else. So that's not how it works. In fact, John Wooden, one of the winningest coach in uh, you know, college basketball in the United States, he's the winningest coach in the history of uh, college basketball. And the funny thing is his players would tell you that he never talked about winning. Not once. You never talked about winning a game. His focus was, can you be a little better today than you were yesterday? Just a little better. So that's what his entire focus was. And that's what brought him to unbelievable amount of championship at UCLA. And I think that's the philosophy that we should have in life. Can I be a little bit better today than I was yesterday? And that little bit better compounds so much over a period of time that you will surprise and shock yourself and everyone else around you with your achievements. Uh, so success is not necessarily in what you achieve, but success is in, are you getting a little bit better tomorrow than you are today and continuing this until uh, you have achieved what you started to achieve? It definitely is. I love the way you explained it. You know, it is uh, like a compound interest curve that yes. at first the efforts and the results aren't equal. And then when it starts getting exponential, it is more than that. It definitely, you know, explains everything which has gone through you know there are so many theories or there are so many books out there which target smaller steps and you know getting results in a quick way or in a smaller way or you know just in 30 like you said in 30 days or 22 days like that but no one really explains that leadership or you know success isn't a small process it is a big one and you know it goes on and goes on and goes on and like you said at first there aren't any results which you get, which looks like it is equal to your amount of efforts you've put in. And when theories out there doesn't match your experience, you start to lose interest in that. Definitely. And for us, it definitely is, you know, when as a teenager, you're starting to aim for things, when we start to, you know, aim for a goal, and then we start to work for it, it definitely doesn't turn out very good at the first instant or, you know, at the first attempt. And then when we look out and see different theories, which doesn't match with the reality which we're going through, it really disheartens us, as I said. And we really need to understand that uh, it is a compound interest graph, as you said, that you have to wait until it goes exponential to get back the results. Right. And I think uh, you have said it correctly because the popular media or social media, uh, they talk about overnight success. Sometimes the millennials and the younger generation, they become impatient because nobody has explained to them or they haven't been exposed to the fact that it takes a little work in the beginning, but then the results come out great. So if you take a look at, you know, a huge stone, a person is hammering that stone, one blow, second blow, third blow, fourth blow. And let's say at the hundredth blow, the stone breaks into two. Well, a passerby might think that, hey, that guy is so talented. With just one blow, 
he you know split the stone in two but unfortunately he doesn't see that there were 99 other blows that brought it to that point uh, where the stone breaks into two parts and the same thing that happens when people when the media realizes someone's overnight success it is sometimes a decade of work below you know behind the scenes below the radar uh, that mm-hmm. goes into that and once people understand that and then the other thing that a younger generation needs to understand is that we we always say that i will be happy when so you're talking about i'll be happy when i graduate i'll be happy when i get a job or i'll be happy when i find a, a life partner or get a flat or you know buy get a corner office or get this promotion now those things last very little uh, you have to enjoy the journey itself so every day if you're happy becoming a little bit better and then you achieve all those things so think about my goal is to climb mount everest if mm-hmm. i don't enjoy climbing then my happiness would be that one little moment when i climbed the mount everest and throughout the journey i am unhappy i am you know not satisfied so if we enjoy the journey by becoming a little bit better than we are today and then we reach mount everest or if we don't reach mount everest maybe i only reach the base camp we have done our best and that's all that matters so these kinds of understanding or thought processes if we learn earlier in our lives then we can have better more fulfilled more successful and happier lives yes more importantly happier lives you really you know put it in words that we always describe happiness as a when rather than you know as a process that it just lasts a moment you know when you describe happiness as winning a medal for example right. when you get the medal it just lasts for a few moments that's it and then and it's gone compared to when you describe happiness as a journey you, you know when you're happy in your journey it is much more you know than just a moment you know it lasts so much more like it has a lot amount of time and as a leader also that you need to really look into the definitions of your happiness and redefine them as you said that when you are a little better than yesterday then it is a success when you are a little better than yesterday then you should be happy correct so um as a leader we talked about success and failure isn't uh, something new too you are always constantly bombarded with failures uh, when you are in a journey so how do you take failures correct so this again is a myth that success and failures are opposite in fact they are two sides of the same coin so popular literature says that you know this person went successful but they won't talk about their previous failures so one of the statistics i read was that an average billionaire he or she is on their 19th business 19 19th business so my question to you is that were the other 18 businesses a failures or were they the stepping stones to their becoming a billionaire what is what are your thoughts sushmita Uh, they definitely are stepping stones right so if we understand that failure and success is part if you see a child learning to walk do you think one day they are crawling and then they just start running the next day i think they no. fall down and then they try to get up again and then they fall down and they try to get up again so if i cared for a young child maybe my own or my niece or my nephew would i tell them that hey you have tried it one times 
how to walk. You have tried it two times. I've even seen you try it five times. Now, please don't do it because this walking stuff is not for you. Okay. Uh, try something else. Is that what you would advise that child? <laughs> Obviously no. not. We would tell him that uh, how many times should you try? Well, as many times as it takes until you get there. No. And that's true in all aspects of your life. You know, if I'm playing tennis, I don't hit a good serve on my very first attempt. Or if I'm doing programming or if I'm doing anything, we are never good at the first attempt and failure is part of it. And you fail, you learn, you fail, you learn. So when you have that awareness, then the sting of the failure reduces. And when you don't have emotions attached to failure, then what happens is you can be calm and you can analyze and learn from failures and mistakes. But if your mindset is not right, then you avoid and you run away from failure. And that's what is the biggest failure, not learning from failure. Absolutely. Running from failure is the biggest failure you can do. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Failure and success are, you know, uh, as much as success is normalized, failure isn't. You know, it is seen as something which demeans you or, you know, which demeans your efforts or something else. But we need to realize that they both are normal circumstances. They happen to everyone. And uh, when we get into that attitude, like you said, when you get into that mindset, then you'll start recognizing why did you fail? About how things went wrong and how can I actually work upon them? And, you know, when you start thinking like that, it doesn't uh, look to you like a big mole on your painting or you know a big black paint on your canvas or you know as a big failure like how people see failure is that they see diminution of their efforts or you know diminution of their character diminution of themselves but rather failure is just your efforts it doesn't define your whole character how do you take failure defines your character true in fact it should be a badge of honor Israel has one of the most startups and entrepreneurship is flourishing there because when they ask a young person who has started a company, they would say, hey, my previous three companies failed and it's a badge of honor. Uh, Michael Jordan, he is probably the best basketball player ever. And one of the best ads by Nike with him was that I have failed again and again and again. And that is why I succeed. And it says that I have missed 26 or whatever that number of game winning shots. But then he has also succeeded more than anyone else. No, uh, mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky, probably the greatest hockey player. He said that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So failure is part of it and it should be a badge of honor. It's not something that you should be ashamed of or hide from. It definitely is. It should be a badge of honor. You know, it is so empowering to, you know, learn about different failures. As much as we learn about success, we also need to know the stories of failure to normalize it, you know, to get to know that failure and success are just a part of your journey. Rather, they don't define your journey. It's like thinking that I hold the bat for very first time. You know, if it's a cricket bat, then on my very first ball, I'll hit a six. It'll never happen. (laughs) Or in baseball, you think that on my very first attempt, I will hit a home run. So that usually doesn't happen. But we want to believe those kinds of things because of popular media. And once we realize that that's not how life works, hopefully those stigma would be lessened. Yes. So 
for now, what is your one single message for all the aspiring leaders out there? What do you suggest or you know, what do you advise? Correct. If you want to become a better leader, then uh, probably ask continuously to people around you as to how can I become better and how can I serve you better? And then listen and thank them because they might be talking behind your back anyway. If they gather the courage to tell you those things in front of your face, then it is a gift, you know, that will allow you to become a better person, a better human being and a better leader. So if we can inculcate just these three steps of asking, listening and thanking, and I think we are on our way to becoming a much better leader than we are today. Thank you so much. It is a gift that when someone gives you feedback, it means that they want you to improve Correct. and, you know, get over your mistakes or, you know, your faults. Thank you so much, Tushar. This has been a great learning experience and has, you know, broken so many myths which we had in our brain regarding leadership. Thank you, Shushmita. It was a pleasure uh, uh, chatting with you today. And I hope it serves your audience and adds value to them. For me, it definitely did add value for my mentality or, you know, for my attitude about how I look towards different things regarding leadership. And I'm sure it will affect everyone who listens to this. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you once again.